Your day has just begun. Yeah! But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Yeah! Hashtag Utah Jazz. Ricky struggling to get it in. Here's D'Lo all low to the rim. The layup good with 4.2 seconds left. He cut back door. Nobody stayed with him. D'Lo puts the Wolves up by one. 105-104. How do you like that? Conley with it. Out by midcourt off the Gobert screen. Lost the ball. McDaniels has it to Rubio. The ball game is over. And for the first time in franchise history, the Wolves have swept the Jazz in a season series. They win the home and home. They're 3-0 against Utah this year, the best team in the NBA. And the Wolves rally back from 18 down to stun the Jazz again. A lot of sequels blow. This one certainly did. Deja vu all over again. Jazz start off really well. Offense seizes up in the middle of the game. Late rally gives them a one-point lead. And then they lose right at the end. PK, I've seen this movie. Stop it. Make it stop. I can't. They have to, man. Oh, yeah, you're right. Dang it. Yeah, I don't know about back door. I thought that was a front door, and it was wide open. <laughs> it was a wide open front door. Yeah. As Rudy put it so eloquently after the game, if I don't bleep up, we win that game. Yeah, I don't buy that, though. Well, I think... There's, a, I mean, a lot of there's a lot of plays, but he he did kind of leap up there. Yeah, but I, I think you win as a team and lose as a team was I blame everyone. Was the coaching? Yeah. Did they specifically say, okay, if they do this, you make sure you do that? Was was it? And maybe it was, and maybe it was on Rudy. But I believe you win as a team, lose as a team. I think that's a cliche, cliche obviously, but I think it's true. Uh, so Rudy, I. I respect him to, to put the blame on him himself but did everybody when they broke the huddle were they absolutely sure 100 percent what they were doing i don't know that but i think that everybody needs to be held accountable not just one individual well certainly other individuals had lots of plays throughout the fourth quarter well if not the whole game but certainly in the fourth quarter where they could have made a difference so it wasn't that play what happened two minutes earlier that you could have done that could have changed things so that part's all true but the jazz it is what it is they've now lost back-to-back games to the timberwolves they've been swept in the three-game series and they're going to sacramento to play the kings who are, after a long, bad stretch, playing a little better themselves and won three out of five. Eight o'clock game tomorrow night. We got more on this jazz loss. A lot of you reacting to it, and we will get to that next. Stay with us. Hashtag NBA. Davis, three. Got it! Is that his first one in a while? AD, it's his first one in a long time. Harris on the drive against Baisley, spins back to the middle, jumps it out to Joel. Embiid for three, it's in the air and good. Bottom by Joel Embiid. Paul still on the dribble, crosses over in front of Bullock, fires a three. He got it straight away. Chris Paul back-to-back buzzer beaters at the shot clock, and he gets face-to-face with Devin Booker, rejoicing as the Suns take an eight-point lead with 13 seconds to go. Phoenix Suns move within one game of the Jazz. They end the next nine-game win streak, 118-110. Chris Paul, big shots down the stretch. Booker had 33, and the Suns are only one back. So showing some toughness, last game of a road trip and all that stuff. And they got the win against a not a great team, but certainly a really hot team. Oh, yeah. I mean, Chris Paul, a couple of amazing shots, the one with the shot clock and then the three-pointer, and they were down. They were down big in the first quarter against a team that's really hot and a team that's thinking, hey, we're, we're something special here. We're certainly the best Knicks team in a good long while, and we're not only just going to make the playoffs, we've got a chance to win, and all that stuff psychologically was in their favor, but yet the Suns found a way. Devin Booker early with his scoring was sensational, and as I said, Chris Paul, they really just a great, great win for them. Clippers did not keep pace with the Suns. They got beat in New Orleans 120-103. to 
Paul George has had a bunch of big games. This wasn't one of them, and Kawhi Leonard obviously has been out for a while. Yeah, I just the, the Clippers are just biding time into the postseason. So Jazz by a game over the Suns and two over the Clips right now. Uh, Kings won last night. Jazz will be in Sacramento tomorrow. Kings beat the Mavericks 113-106. The Mavericks have been making a, a nice climb up the standings, but uh, they gave one away right there. Sure, on paper they looked at that and thought they ought to get that, but they didn't. Lakers had a big early lead, blew it in the middle of the game, and then came back to win 114-103. Dennis Schroeder with 21-10 and 10 as the Lakers beat the Orlando Magic, a team they, they should have beaten, but they, they messed around there in the middle of the game, but they, they finally got it figured out. Yeah, Anthony Davis played extended minutes. That's what I took from that game. And the Wizards, who had an eight-game winning streak, second longest in the league to the Knicks, they fall to San Antonio 146-143, putting up some massive numbers there. Both teams over 140. Good grief. It's almost a 300-point wow. game. Uh, that was incredible. I didn't pay one lick of attention to it. <laughs> Houston Rockets guard John Wall is likely to miss the remainder of the season with a right hamstring strain, according to Rockets general manager Raphael Stone. Clippers signed DeMarcus Cousins for the remainder of the year. He completed back-to-back 10-day contracts. DJ PK. Hashtag NFL. I can't guarantee that anybody in the world will be alive Sunday, so I can't guarantee who will be on our roster on Sunday. So that goes for all of us. Kyle Shanahan asked if he could guarantee quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo would be on the roster Sunday, obviously after the draft ends, three days, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, will he be part of a draft day trade? And Shanahan didn't go anywhere near that, so he just considered, you know, I guess mass extinction, right? Uh, we could all be gone. Extinction. Any of us could be said, gone. Well, that's, that's, that's just two different one things. person. Yes. I mean, you're so dramatic. Hey, I'm not the one who started opening up the possibility of you know, people dying off. I just got caught up in it. I got caught up in it. That's you to an extent right there. That's the beauty of you. Don't blame me. Packers GM says the franchise is committed to Aaron Rodgers despite not having restructured or extending his deal. Aaron's our guy. He's going to be our quarterback for the foreseeable future. We're excited about the kind of things we're going to try to accomplish here over the next couple of years. Rodgers has no guaranteed money left on his current deal. Seems like it's going to be a messy end at some point, PK, but win isn't exactly clear. They're going to put guaranteed money on the deal. Feel like they need to. Wonder how much Rodgers will hold them up and how messy this will get. As messy as he wants it to get. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. Representative Anthony Gonzalez, a former Ohio State football player, reintroduced on Monday a bipartisan bill that would give college athletes the right to earn money through endorsements and sponsorship deals. He's a Republican from Ohio. He partnered up with a Democrat from Missouri, Emanuel Cleaver, and they co-sponsored the Student Athlete Level Playing Field Act. Really rolled off the tongue there. (laughs) The SALPFA. The S-A-L-P-F-A. Let's make it into a word. The SALPFA. The unpronounceable acronym. Yeah, I'm tired of talking about it. Get after it already. Endorsements and sponsorship deals, so name, image, and likeness. We have been talking about it for a while. And seven women filed a federal class action lawsuit against LSU and its leadership with the university's former president and AD, as well as its athletic fundraising group among those named as defendants. According to the 118-page document, the women attending the Baton Rouge campus at some point from 2013 to 2021 were all victims of Sex-based discrimination, including rape, sexual assault, sexual harassment, and or stalking perpetrated by male LSU students. Doesn't say most of them were scholarship athletes and football players, but I think that's where we're going. And I think that's why the athletic fundraising group gets, gets mentioned in this. Now, if all is true, there should be outrage. And I want to see people on social media and all this stuff 
coming strong after this. I mean, if you want to be a social justice warrior, uh, this isn't a buffet. You don't get to pick and choose, man. You got to go all in. And if this stuff is true, then absolutely there should be all sorts of outrage because it's completely and totally 100% unacceptable. Lawsuits tend to move pretty pretty, uh, slowly, but this is built up over a period of time. That's why 2013 to 2021 gets named in this. I expect it'll play out over a period of time, but sounds like they're in it for the long haul. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. Now the 1-1. Swung on, hit high, hit deep to left. Lynn is back, still going back, and it is gone! A game-winning walk-off two-run home run for Jordan Luplo. Swing, there's a high drive to center. Daza going back, still going back, all the way back to the wall. Adios! Pelota! It would not come down. Just to the right of the 391 marker and out of here with plenty to spare. The fifth home run of the year for Buster Posey. Hammered left center field and Winker got all of it. Back to the wall and gone. Two-run shot by Jesse Winker and the Reds have taken a 5-3 lead. Opposite field juice from the Reds' two-hole hitter. Highlights around the major leagues. You just heard the Reds beating the Dodgers. Led most of the game. Dodgers tied it up, but the Reds win it in the 10th. Jesse Winker with the 10th inning home run. Dodgers, after losing three out of four of the Padres, open up the series with a loss to Cincinnati. Also in there, you heard the Giants blowing out the Rockies. 12-zip Buster Posey with the home run in there. The Rockies shut out on three hits. Anthony DeScalfani with the shutout, the complete game. PK, so rare, and yet there is one right there for you. Yeah, less than 100 pitches, too. Kansas City playing well early. They complete a sweep of Detroit, 3-2. They're winning two out of three games right now, off to a 14-7 start. And Shohei Otani striking out nine, driving in a couple runs, scoring three times, picks up his first win on the mound. Angels beat the Rangers 9-4. to I don't know how long his arm can throw some of those breaking pitches. He's had, had to be shut down here and had multiple injuries. But, man, some of the clips I saw from that game, his breaking stuff, that stuff was moving. I don't know mm. what it's doing to his arm, but that was doing impressive. doing nothing. It's strengthening it. Quit being a baby. <laughs> okay. Angels back over 500. They're 11 and 10 now. So, three games behind Oakland, who's, who's rolling in that division. All right, there's what is trending. Those are your headlines brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There's no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801 295 1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Coming up, your reaction to the Utah Jazz and yet another loss to the Timberwolves. We'll get into that. Shane Young, NBA columnist, analyst for Forbes Sports, is going to join us at 7.30. Big T, Thurl Bailey at 9. Stay with us. This is 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The Zone Sports Network is Utah's number one choice for sports radio in Utah. From DJ and PK to Hanson Scotting and the Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, the Zone continues to dominate the competition. Thank you to all of you that continue to make the Zone Sports Network Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports station. Your home for the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about is right here. 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Rubio's going to inbound. Towns is at the free throw line. The top of the circle between the circles is Russell marked by Conley. Rubio inbounds. Rubio holding. Rubio finds Russell who lays it up and in. The Jazz broke down defensively on a back cut by D'Angelo Russell. Nobody guarded him and he laid it up and in uncontested. Were they supposed to be switching all over the floor? I mean, what was going on here? Mike Conley and Rudy Gobert miscommunicate. 
Hot Takes with Toast, brought to you by Jerry Seiner Cadillac. Check out the bold new lineup at Jerry Seiner Cadillac. It's definitely not your grandpa's Cadillac. So there it is, PK, the final play. Booner asking the question, what was going on there? And those two did miscommunicate, Conley and Gobert. I think they were supposed, from, from what we heard in the postgame, I think they were supposed to be switching everything. But Conley had a look on his face like, man, this guy's going to shoot over me. Because with the switch... The big guy, or little guy screening for a big guy. He had Carl Anthony Towns, and Rudy hesitated. And so Conley went and handled the, the switch, and then Rudy went to get him, and, well, that leaves a guy wide open because Conley doesn't know at that point, and they were too far apart. and Nothing left to do but take the ball out the bottom of the net after giving up an uncontested lay-in. No, let uh, Towns shoot over you. So what? Well, he had it going there in the fourth quarter, but I think you're right. I think that was the plan. Better to have him shoot over it than get caught up trying to get through a screen. So, uh, How many threes did he make in the fourth quarter? Uh, I don't know. I'd have to look that up. How do you know he had it going on? I mean, I don't think he had that good of a game. Keep hearing about their players and how athletic they are and this and that. And I don't, I don't, the Towns had an average game as far as I was concerned. He was doing nothing special there. And Quinn, what does that mean? This season is about getting better? So they got better? No. But making the mistakes and then learning from them will make them better, theoretically. Really? We've got that a two-time is... All-Star, two-time Defensive Player of the Year, yep. and a 33-year-old. Yep. And we haven't figured that out yet? Nope. <laughs> Clearly haven't figured it out. <laughs> That's the one thing I can tell you for sure. So is next season about that competing is, at a high level continuously? That has or is been, it always about getting better? That has been Quinn's answer all year long. When they're on winning streaks or when they're about to take over the top spot, we're just trying to get better. And if they start losing, we're just trying to get better. Well, his, his been his, when does that end? His go-to. When they get to the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, that's why he made the reference about a week ago. The playoffs are the final exam. You know, And these okay. are all quizzes along the way. Well, then that's the great thing about it is that they'll have Mitchell back by then and they'll be ready to go. So let's not sweat these things. It's no big deal now. Yeah, I can't quite bring myself to say it's no big deal now and not sweat them. Your choice and the choice of the individual fan. Absolutely. I believe in that. So you have that right to whatever words you want to use, whatever level of obsession you have. And it doesn't look like the one seed is going to going to happen. The Suns aren't going away. And the Jazz are struggling without Mitchell. It doesn't look like well, listening to Locke's thing that he does on the uh, postgame stuff. He said the Jazz aren't going to have Mitchell on Friday. So they haven't beaten the Suns with Mitchell. Doesn't make me think they can beat him without him. Maybe they can. But if that's not any reason to sweat and you're just getting better and then when the final exam comes, you're ready to go, I'm all for it. I've got no problem with it. I don't think the concern right now for Jazz fans is just that game. It's the most recent thing. It's uh, the back-to-back losses even. 6-6 six and six in the last 12 now. It's just not trending up. And 12 games is a pretty good sample size. Three to four weeks, of, well, not four weeks of basketball, the way they're playing this year, but three weeks of basketball and you've been a 500 team. And yeah. stuff happens, but that's a pretty good sample size, and I know games get away, but we were looking at the schedule like this schedule's pretty easy through this run here, and they are uh, making a mess of it. Okay. So that's you got eleven. About, you, got a, about that. you got eleven games left to figure it out to get Mitchell healthy and figure it out. Learn whatever lessons have to be learned. So they had it figured out, but now they don't have it figured out. Oh, I think it feels like they have it figured out when they're winning nine in a row, or nine in a row, or then, eleven in a row. <laughs> then what happened that they became less intelligent? That is an excellent question, PK. I mean, I mean you can't the win them all. Guy. You can't. You can't win them all. You're going to lose some. You know, everybody messes up some at some point. I mean, to this point, and you're right about the way the one seed is trending. But to this point, they've still messed up fewer than anybody else. 
but you're supposed to be getting better later in the season. Okay, that's so been the whole goal, and they're yeah. not they're not getting better later all in the right. season. That's all you've all you you've outlined the the concept. Now let's get to the point. What aren't they doing that they were doing? I mean, all that stuff Shooting, you just said, there's I got whole, all that. There's, there's a list of stuff. I would go, uh, to, I mean, Quinn would go to the defensive end of the floor, but I'll go to the offensive end of the floor. I thought in the third quarter, a bunch of guys, after they missed a bunch of shots in the second quarter, a bunch of guys didn't want to shoot in the third quarter. Well, one of those guys Clarkson, certainly isn't Clarkson. Clarkson did, and he was the only guy who did. And he would give up the ball, and guys would pass up shots, and the ball would come back to him. And even even before he was in the game, I don't think he I can look it up, but I don't think he he started the third quarter. And they they scored and tied the game at forty nine. And the ball went in the corner, and somebody had an open shot. I think it was Royce. I'm not positive. He but he passed it up. He threw it cross court to Bogdanovich, who had a shot that passed it up. Who threw he threw it into the corner to Conley, who had a shot, but a guy was running at him, so he put it on the floor and drove, and he turned it over. It was really. What the whole post game was about on Wednesday when Quinn was saying, "Well, we got too many turnovers. We got too many turnovers in part because we're passing up open shots." And you came out of the locker room in a quarter you normally play pretty well in, and they won a lot of games in the third quarter. Saying, "Okay, are they going to make a run here?" And three guys pass up shots and they turn the ball over. Well, why are they and passing just, up shots? I think guys didn't think they were going to make them. Well, don't you want them to pass up the shot if they don't think they're going to make them? Yeah, but if the Jazz can't make open threes, then they got no hope because that's the whole plan. <laughs> the whole plan is to shoot threes. You can't win unless you shoot threes. It's the only way they can win. It starts everything for them. It's not the only thing they do. Obviously, they want layups and dunks and free throws, too. All right, we'll continue this conversation. Shane Young, NBA columnist and analyst for Forbes Sports, is joining us. Shane, good morning. Good morning, guys. How you doing? Ah, tons of angst. Back-to-back losses to the Timberwolves. The lead in the West is down to one game. The Suns are supposed to struggle on this road trip. The Jazz are supposed to pull away by beating easy teams. It's not happening. Shane, what is going wrong? Oh, yeah. And it's like, you know, you say losing two straight to the Timberwolves, um, at least the Jazz don't have to see Minnesota in a couple months. (laughs) At least Minnesota is mathematically eliminated from playoff contention, so... It's actually kind of funny that that this stuff happens in the NBA, where the Jazz could have the number of a of a high profile contender. They could just you know stomp them down a couple of times, but then they struggle with some of this bottom level competition. And you know that that that's that tends to happen with contenders. They I'm not going to say they overlook the Timberwolves, but I think everyone understands that every player in the NBA is capable of catching fire or putting together a, a, a big run, and, and they just underestimated them for a bit. So, yeah, two straight games worth, I, I would be pretty upset as well. So whenever Donovan Mitchell returns to full health with the ankle injury, do you think that that solves the issues that they're having right now? I don't think necessarily it solves just flat out not making shots. I mean, that's kind of just like – I, I tend to I tend to favor like just unluckiness. I think that you can – point a lot of the problems to last night you know they generate 15 corner threes if you generate 15 corner threes in the nba you're a dynamic offense i think the jazz and clippers are the two best offenses when it comes to creating those open looks even though the nets technically have the best offense in the nba because of their firepower and the jazz made two of them they shot two of 15 from the corners and I'd be willing to guess. I think the player tracking data comes out soon. I would be willing to guess that a lot of those were wide open. And, and, you know, 14 of 41 from the non-corner threes, um, I'd be willing to bet a lot of those are wide open. So, you know, maybe you just chalk up last night to whatever. But I think think Donovan does help with their paint attacks and getting into the paint and, and helping find the open man a little bit easier and quicker. Um, I think one thing that we've seen, at least I saw, I'm not sure about you guys, you can tell me how you feel about it, but I, I saw Rudy Gobert last night just not get a lot of touches that he normally would, even when he got switches with Rubio on him in the post. Gobert puts his hands straight up in the air, clearly the tallest guy on the court, especially in that mismatch, and you know you could easily get the ball to him. It's just like, you know, you see Conley, Ingles, uh, and, and Bogdanovich, all these guys, 
kind of dance around it and try try to get it to him late or not get the right passing angle. I think Donovan Mitchell's clearly behind Ingles as like maybe the best passer on the team. So I think he does help in that regard. Shane Young joining us, NBA columnist and analyst for Forbes Sports. So when you watch the Suns come in and you watch the Jazz struggling, are you thinking the top two teams, the top two contenders, or are your eyes still on the Clippers and on the Lakers? Oh, man, it's it's been tough because I think the last time we talked, Phoenix wasn't doing this hot. They were coming, but they weren't blistering hot yet. Um, I think right now you're looking at it. Um, I, I think the Jazz are going to be the number one seed, and the Suns are probably going to be number two. All the Suns have to do is beat the Clippers, um, beat the Clippers on Wednesday, and that gives them another game advantage. And then they just have to close out without stinking up the joint. So they could they could lose a couple games. As long as they don't lose more than the Clippers, they'll be fine. But those will be those might be the top two seeds. Does it mean that they are the best teams in the conference? I'm not sure. I think the Jazz securing the number one seed helps a good deal because they they would only have to see the Lakers in the second round. And like it, I just don't I just don't have a good feel about how a Lakers Jazz series would go because we've seen what zero total games of the full healthy rosters going at each other. Um, I think the one time the Jazz beat down on the Lakers, it was, um, you know, uh, or I think a couple times the Jazz beat down on the Lakers, it was without AD and LeBron. So it, it, it's been kind of tough to gauge. Um, I, I, I kind of do think, though, that the Clippers would be happy with the way the seeding ends because they would they would get an easier opponent in the first round because they, they the Clippers have kind of handled the Blazers uh, so far this season. So if that's the matchup, then I think they would be happy with that. And then the Suns. Obviously, if you play the Suns, I think they I think they view Phoenix as less of a threat than Utah. Um, I, I do, you know, being around the Clippers this year, I do think they view Utah as a team that could give them a lot of problems in a potential West Final series because of how well Utah switches and how well uh, they are as an oiled machine defensively. It's you know they're they're extremely well coached and probably the best coached team in the NBA. So. I guess all that to say, there are four teams still that I think could win the title in the West, and those are going to be the the LA teams and Phoenix and Utah. It's really too hard to it, it, right now. It's too difficult to pick who would be the favorite. I think. Do you see any of these first round opponents possible? We don't know who it is, obviously, but do you see any of them giving the Jazz some trouble in the first round? I would be terrified of Stephen Curry. Um, I, I'm, I'm just a big Steph fan. <laughs> and I think that he, if you give him an opportunity to go into Utah, if they got the eight seed, if the Warriors won the playing tournament and got the eight seed, if you give him an opportunity to go in Utah where he's had some, some success uh, throughout his playoff career, that one series they played in 2017, I believe. Um, I, I, I think I, I would be a little bit scared. I'd be a little bit nervous because all it takes is one or two games for Steph to get hot, steal a road game, and then you're going back to the San Francisco. So it's like, man, I, that's a flamethrower I would not want to face. Um, if I was the Jazz, obviously you're kind of hoping for Memphis, uh, who I believe Utah has beat three times this year, right, all within a, a week span. <laughs> um, or San Antonio. I think San Antonio just doesn't have – um, a lot of the defense that would be necessary to guard Utah's um, U- Utah's creativity. Utah is one of the most creative offenses in the league this year. So I would be hoping for San Antonio and Memphis. I'd be really kind of nervous about Golden State. You think the uh, playing series is here to stay, that it is uh, minimizing, it'll never eliminate tanking, but maybe minimizing tanking and shutting guys down? You know, I... I'm I'm actually a fan of the play-in situation of the, the scenario where you you you're kind of right there. You do these uh, disincentivized tanking where you um, have these teams at the bottom that have maybe a three or four week span longer than they would normally in the season to look at the standings and say, "Hey, we can make a run." Because I know you guys remember last year or or the the few years before. There were teams that it would be February and they would shut it down. They would just be like, oh, well, we're 
six games out. That's a lot to make up considering we're not that good of a team. Let's just rest everyone or let's, let's put our uh, top superstars on the shelf. And I'm glad, I'm really glad that that's not happening with, you know, say Zion Williamson. The Pelicans are not going to make it because they're just too far out and they, and they can't seem to string together a good win streak. So cross them out. But it's that type of team that you look at and say, I'm glad that this team and this player, this dynamic top 20 player in the NBA is able to play longer into the season and beat high playoff minutes because they're, they're trying to get that playoff spot. So I like the playing tournament. Uh, the one thing I, I'm kind of, I want to get your opinion on that I've kind of wanted for a long time is I think maybe I'm, maybe I'm alone in this or maybe I'm on an island by myself, but I think the top seeds in every conference, so like maybe the Jazz and technically Brooklyn right now, if you're going to have a playing tournament where they don't know their playoff opponent until a few day, a couple days before it starts, because that's been that's been a situation where like the Clippers and the Suns, they're going to know their playoff opponent quicker than the Jazz will. Gives a little bit less preparation time, uh, less time to really get some practice in for that particular opponent. If you're not going to know who you're playing, I think you should be able to pick your opponent from the pool of the eight seed, seven seed, and six seed. Maybe I think those bottom three seeds, once the playing tournament has been played, should be able to pick who they want to play. The, the Jazz. So, you know, I, I, I kind of just think that that's the fairest way to do it. If Utah is going to w- focus on the regular season, get the number one seed and be the best team in the, in the league all season, there has to come some, like, re- reward for that. And I think the reward would be deciding who you want to play. I don't do think, think? Yeah, I don't think teams are going to want that. I don't think they're going to want that responsibility. It, 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 you're basically, you're saying, hey, you're not good enough, so you're disrespecting somebody right from the get-go and firing them up. I think, uh, I think teams are going to complain about that and not, not want that. Yeah, I understand that point of view. Like, it, it, I, I don't think, basically what I'm saying, I don't think a lot of the owners that would have to vote for this to get it approved would even go for it. There might be just be a third of the league that, that likes the idea. But it's just something that's been floating around in NBA circles where there, there just needs to be a higher incentive for, or a higher reward, I should say, for getting that number one seed and going through this ridiculous grind of a season. How much does it concern you if a team is relying a lot on threes that when they get to the postseason that there might be an issue making those threes? It's definitely been a concern uh, for me, uh, particularly because I, I see I, I tend to gravitate towards jump shooting teams, teams that unlock a lot of their offense from three um, and that value higher efficiency shots. Um, I, I think if you, the more threes you take, as long as they're not just run up the court, jack it up in someone's face, and shoot a contested shot. Uh, I think that as long as it's a good, open, clean look that's derived from good paint attacks. I think driving into the paint is the first key that you have to have. And, you know, the two teams that I mentioned before that are the best at creating those shots, the Jazz and the Clippers, I think they do it the right way. I think if you, I'm not trying to dog on this team by any means because, you know, I've done that quite a bit in the past, but the team that you could look at and say maybe, or definitely a lot of these shots that they shoot from three are not good looks is the Houston teams in the James Harden era, particularly when Mike D'Antoni got there. I think that's not a good way to do it. But then you look at it and say, oh, well, those Rockets made it to the West Finals a couple times, twice since 2015 and they nearly maybe should have won in 2018. So if that's the bad way of doing it and it still worked out, I think you look at like the Golden State teams of the last few years, maybe San Antonio in 2014 that shot a lot of threes. They succeeded. They won the title. Uh, they did have a lot of superstar power on their teams, but, hey, that's what you need in the NBA. I think it's going to come down to more so the star power. Donovan Mitchell, can he create his own offense in the mid-range at the rim? Whenever teams switch and put bigger bodies on him or like side like size bodies on him, um, that's going to be more important to me than maybe Joe Eagles, Bojan Madanovic, Mike Conley knocking down their shots. Because if you've had a five or six month sample of these guys hitting the shots, I tend to just trust 
the, st- the statistics, and I tend to trust the um, tendencies that say these guys are still going to make their shots, especially in a playoff environment, guys, that's not going to be like fully packed with fans, especially if Utah goes on the road. I know Utah does have a lot of fans, if I'm correct, but I know if they go on the road, other teams don't have necessarily a lot of fans, so I'm not very worried about their shots not going in. Shane Young, NBA columnist and analyst for Forbes Sports, joining us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. So do you think the Jazz come out of this funk? Do you give them much hope Friday night? Uh, probably shorthanded without Donovan Mitchell in Phoenix, or this is going to continue until Mitchell comes back and the one seed's going to be gone and just deal with it and adapt. I do give them a, a good or decent, a good chance in Phoenix just because the, the games that we've seen, or at least the last game we saw between the Jazz and Suns was really close, um, came down to the wire. You know, just some decisions here and there or some shots here and there fall. So I think uh, – I think the Jazz could definitely get it together and start, you know, maybe going another five or six game win streak here. It's just, it's going to be tough until you get Donovan back um, to really lean on somebody in those moments. Uh, I know, you know, and we also have to point out, like, they would have won last night, maybe, like a 98% chance they would have won last night if Rudy Gobert just switches on that last play defensively. So, you know, that that's just like a, that's a mental error right there that you can kind of chalk up as, as a one-off, I think, because he's one of the best defensive players in the world. Um, so I'm not really concerned. I think they can get together here. But I, I think we just can't we can't deny that Phoenix is really good, and Phoenix has maybe the what, one of the five best players to go against Rudy Gobert and the Jazz's defense, and that's Chris Paul. I mean, Chris Paul, to me, is probably the third best point guard of all time, just the third best. You know, his, his greatness is not – going to be elevated because of the, the lack of accolades. But uh, he's supremely talented, and it, it, it's going to be – you're going to hear a lot of chatter if the Suns do go 3-0 against the Jazz this year and how, that, you know, that's just a series that no, that, that Utah doesn't want. But I, I kind of think that's overblown. I think, you know, a couple of those games could go either way. And uh, I'm not – I still think the Jazz are probably right behind the Clippers in terms of playoff potency. Um, I, I, I kind of I'm not sold on the Suns yet um, in terms of being like this team that that could beat the Lakers, beat the Clippers, beat the Jazz. That'd be a really tough playoff grind for them, especially in their first year together. So um, I, I'm I'm really looking forward to Friday night. Shane, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us. No problem. Anytime, guys. Shane Young, NBA columnist and analyst for Forbes Sports. All right, more reaction to the Jazz and the Wolves. What went horribly wrong? How can the Jazz fix it and win? We got a lot of you on Facebook. A lot of you are jumping on Twitter at David DJ James, Facebook at DJ and PK. We will get to that next. 97.5 and 1280 the zone. This, this, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. So I'm trying to get my phone to not call me Hans. All right, try it again. Don't call me Hans. Okay, what should I call you? Hans. You'd like me to call you Hats. Is that right? <laughs> no. Hans. You'd like me to call you Pants. It's <laughs> the dumbest thing. Like Lance or Dance. What is my name, Google? Your name is Hans. God, stupid, dumb thing. Could you call me Hans, Ned? You'd like me to call you Handsome. Is that right? Well, it's better than Hans. Yeah. Catch Hans and Scotty every day presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ PK brought to you in part by Davis Vision. The Davis Vision Spring LASIK sale is going on now. Get rid of those contacts and glasses and save $1,000. Start your road to better vision at Davis Vision. Check them out at davisvisionmd.com or call them today at 801-253-3080. That's Davis Vision. All right, we got a lot of Jazz fans weighing in. What has gone wrong? Low point in the season. Back-to-back losses to the Wolves. 6-6 six and six in their last 12. The Cavalry isn't coming in to save the day anytime soon. Donovan Mitchell's out the rest of the week and apparently isn't going to be playing against the Suns on Friday, and I don't know how much longer after that. Leaves Jazz fans in a nasty mood. 
You're hitting us up on uh, Facebook at DJ and PK, on Twitter at David DJ James. David says, the Jazz are who we thought they were. They have players like mental toughness, and when adversity hits and they miss their leader or things go against them, they fold. As for learning, how many games have they looked lackluster and needed a big third quarter? Well, that's a lot to unpack right there, PK. Yeah, okay. The last part I dismiss immediately. How many games have they looked lackluster and needed a big third quarter? You're not going to crush teams every quarter. If you trade hoops for a while, lead by four at the half, trail by four at the half, whatever, figure it out and blow a team off the floor with a big third quarter, I'd sign up for that every time. Uh, That's sort of the NBA to an extent. (laughs) Yeah, I would take that every time. Uh, We've seen a lot of it this year. That was how Stockton Malone and Hornacek won 20 or 25 years ago. Big third quarters, taking the pressure off in the fourth quarter. That's uh, that's best-case scenario. I'd sign up for that all the time. As for the other stuff, players who lack mental toughness, adversity hits, they miss their leader, or things go against them and they fold. I think that's when you have to go big picture and say, how often does that happen? Because everybody's going to lose games, and anytime you lose games, did you fold? So you got to go big picture. Now, I think the thing David's getting at, without letting all the water swamp the boat here, is in the playoffs, in the biggest moments against the best players who are the most experienced, when adversity hits, are they going to be able to answer the bell, or are they going to fold? And I think that's what everybody's worried about all year. And I think people are, um, you know, concerned, worried, debated to, uh, I don't know, if you're, if you're a big fan, maybe you really worry about it. If you're more, if you're you, PK, and you're NBA fan and observer, you, you debate it. And I think that is the question everyone's trying to figure out about the Jazz. And the easy answer sitting here this morning is, well, if you don't execute under pressure against the Wolves in a regular season game, are you going to execute under pressure in the playoffs three or four weeks from now? And the obvious answer is, well, no, probably not. Mm, I'm not so sure about that, though. Right? And because you can debate anything, I've got an answer in my mind, and I want to know if you're going to say it out loud right now. Let's see if our answers match up. Go ahead. Hey. This month, they've made two mistakes defensively in the literally the last possession, right? And that's why I blame it on everyone, because you've already made one. You made one against the Lakers. You didn't have Gobert back there. But we used Gobert's absence as an excuse. Turns out, Gobert's absence in making defensive mistakes is not an excuse, because Gobert himself was there, and he made a defensive mistake. So the good thing about it is get these mistakes out, and... I'm guessing if they get in another situation like this, they'll be ultra sure of what to do defensively. So make them now. She's not going to make them then. So get it out of the way. Because in the final analysis, when the ball goes up in the first round, whoever you're playing, what happened on April 26th in that blown four-second possession doesn't really matter. I don't see any bearing, any any repercussion of that whatsoever. Uh, And to go back to Shane Young's, if you're worried about who you're going to play in a first round, then you're not winning anything that matters anyway. So I don't. I'm trying to keep perspective on all these things, Uh, and. I don't know that adversity is going to hit. This is basketball. What what's what's ad, what's adverse about a basketball game? Shots didn't go in. Shots that, don't go in. Somebody gets in foul trouble and leaves the game. Guy rolls an ankle. I mean, adversity can well, be a lot of different things. Yeah, but you can't you can't control injuries. So if you have key injuries, you're not going to win. It's the way it is. Right? It's happened a million times over. It seems like Chris Paul gets hurt almost every playoff series. That's intense. He, something happens to his legs, and he's out. And it seemed like with Blake Griffin, too. Those guys, when they went to Clippers, it seemed like they were never healthy 
when it mattered the most. So they didn't win. So uh, I don't know that you can overcome that. So don't worry about that. That's going to be a problem. So really adversity boils down to shots not going in. There are foul trouble. Do mm. we really have foul trouble that much in postseason? I'm not so sure you do. I think the referees uh, in the postseason, by and large, and there's going to be examples, and we're going to cite them every time. But you know, the, the three free throw margin is not going to be outrageous in the postseason because everybody's watching. You could see wild discrepancies in the regular season. And maybe there would be. Maybe I'm wrong. But I I don't see that. So I think it boils down to your offense isn't scoring, and that's putting pressure. Shots aren't falling, which is what what happened last night. You know? My only criticism of last night is Jordan Clarkson started to get a little bit of uh, Gordon Hayward body language. And I don't like that. You miss five in a row. Be as confident as you could possibly you're going to make the sixth one because you're really good. And if you miss five in a row, the law of numbers is going to be in your favor on the sixth one. <laughs> Matt said law of averages during the game last night, and it couldn't have been more disappointing. Come on, Matt. Let a law of numbers rip. Well, I love that stuff. He didn't want to say that. Uh, when he said it, it's because he couldn't think of the word averages. I know. Uh, so that was really about the only thing that bothered me because, I, although I have to admit, as I'm watching the game, I'm thinking, Jordan, you passed the friggin' ball. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> but he had eight assists. Yes. And so he, did, he was. He did, he did throw some great. When they got it rolling in the fourth quarter and Niang was hitting shots, I think Clarkson threw him a really good pass for one of them. You're right. You're, you're absolutely right. And so during the game, I thought about tweeting – Pass the friggin' ball, would you? But I didn't. <laughs> and then <laughs> overnight and this morning, when I get up, and I always get up way earlier than I'm supposed to, but that's just me and my body. And so I'm thinking about it, and I'm looking at the box score, and I'm going through it. And then I'm thinking, no, Jordan, keep firing, buddy, because that's who you are. And that's what this team needs. Just don't give me the bad body language like you're exhausted or, you, or you're just thinking, oh, my gosh, this is awful. No, I don't want that. I want Kobe. I want MJ. Those guys never did that. Now, they're supreme talents. I get all that. But you, can, you can't mimic and, and reprise their game. But there's no reason why you can't reprise their attitude, right? That doesn't necessarily take talent. And those guys, the, the Kyle Whittingham, at no point, no. at no point do you ever show weakness. weakness. One of his, it's so funny Never. to say that. I was just thinking of when he said that on the air. I mean, this was when he was still defensive coordinator and they hit him with a Gatorade bath after the defense scored the winning touchdown at CSU late in the game. And he didn't even break stride going out to shake hands. And it was the sun was down, it was cold, it was late in the season. And they hit him with an ice bath and he didn't, you know, sometimes coaches like throw their shoulders back and run yeah, away. Yeah, yeah. Nothing. Yeah, yeah. He, he walked across the field like it didn't happen, even as it hit him. Not even for two seconds did he flinch. And I asked about it on the air, and he, what you just said, and like he just delivered it, as matter of fact as could be, show no weakness, DJ. Show no weakness. And that is not a football thing. That's his life thing. I've been in situations, and I won't repeat them, but I've been in situations, in competitive situations, and unflailingly, discussions about, Stuff. <laughs> Best front man in rock and roll. Going back and forth. I make a good point. Um, okay, I can see your point. But you're still wrong! <laughs> <laughs> it's just, just, and that's what I want to see of Jordan Clarkson. You missed 10 in a row. You missed 10 in a row. Nothing's changing. That's on the books, man. And in, in the games they've lost this month, he shot 32%. And he's like... Uh, I think he's like 31 of 88, somewhere in there. 31, 32%, right? All right. Well, ball didn't go in, to quote uh, Jimmy Boylan, on those games. But so what, man? 
That's what I'm. That's what I'm now asking of Jordan Clarkson. Still be a BA. If you miss ten in a row, and that eleventh shot is there, take it and take it with whatever cliche you want. That it's going in, and that's that's my one criticism on that. And I want all those guys to do that. Just, they they you, needed you in the huddle then in the third quarter because I really thought there was a stretch in the third quarter. And I thought Niang came in at the fourth quarter and changed changed the momentum and changed the mood oh, for sure, by yeah. hitting shots. Yeah. And there was nothing else to it. And you know, the you and I always get you and I always get into this like the stuff you do to get the open look, to get the uncontested shot on the spot you want on the floor with the guy you want, all of that matters. But the shot still has to go in. And mm-hmm. you'll yes, go to yes. the make or miss. And it really did come down. Like, they'd done everything right. They had Niang the shot. He needed to make it, and he did. And he did it again, he did it again. It changed it. But in the third quarter, I thought there were a bunch of guys on the floor. There was one sequence where, or multiple sequences with one group on the floor where I thought, Jordan's really the only guy who wants to shoot the ball. And they're not, <clears throat> and they didn't, I don't think they had Rudy in for most of that stretch. Uh, because sometimes you can just drive the hoop and then put it up there for Rudy. Although I thought even under this deja vu, should we do a list of worst sequels of all time? This game was so similar, it even had a late alley-oop to Rudy that turned into a turnover. And they couldn't get the ball to him when Ricky Rubio had switched on him. I'm, I'm with you on all the other stuff, but like when Rubio is on a 7-2 guy, how can you not get an alley oop to him? I mean, you you gotta you gotta be able to do it. And two two games in a row they haven't. So a lot of it was missed shots, but there's still other stuff going wrong under pressure that makes me worry how these guys are going to handle it in the postseason. You know, and it's still three to four weeks away, so you got a chance to get out of this funk. And to a certain degree, I probably would be worried if they were just piling up W's right now because you can't sustain that forever. You go on a nine game. Winning streak, you're probably going to have a rough patch when it ends. So they're six and six. Now that's fifteen and six over twenty-one games. So maybe you're okay with that, as long as they get out of this funk asap, quickly, make it happen. All right, all right, DJ and PK, Big T, Thurl Bailey. He's seen a lot of basketball. He's seen a lot of slumps. He's seen a lot of hot streaks. He's going to join us one hour from now, right here on ninety-seven five and twelve eighty the zone.